Good morning. There are very, two very short readings this morning, Hebrews 3, 13 to 14, and Hebrews 10, 24 to 25. Encourage one another daily, as long as, it, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks so much, Maggie. Thank you for the, bringing those readings to us. It really is great to be with you uh, this morning. I, I think I said Diamond Jubilee, didn't I? And it's platinum, I think, for the Queen. So let's get that right before, before we progress. Because, you know, the Queen is a good example of somebody who's a whole life disciple, who is trying to be faithful to the Christian journey in all that they do and all that they say. And she makes that increasingly clear in the Christmas addresses, but in the way that she conducts herself. So it's worthy of uh, respect and, and prayer, so I should get that jubilee right. When I was leading, or well, part of a church in, in South London, for the last 25 years we've been on, on the south coast in Chichester, one of the people who was in our church, she's in a home now, was dressmaker to the Queen. So she was one of the people that had been um, in the Queen's bedroom. And she used to say, that everything was pristine apart from one thing that looked really quite worn and tatty, which was her Bible, um, which was testament to uh, her faithful daily reading of, of God's Word. And I'm grateful for God's Word being read to us. We're looking at taking gathered confidence, gathered women together into our scattered world, and these two readings... And that video clip have the everyday aspect to them, and they have an encouragement aspect to them. Encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We've come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end, and then, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. If you're not new to this church, you might be familiar with some of this LICC type gathered and scattered and whole life disciple type language, because I know that you've been engaging with it a while, which is so encouraging. What I want to do is pick up whether you have followed this before or not, and offer an extra thought in and around this idea of confidence. Confidence when we are scattered. So both readings come from the letter to Hebrews, called the letter to Hebrews. We don't for sure know who wrote it. We don't for sure know who the audience was. But we know in the way that it's written that it assumes a lot of knowledge of the Old Testament, particularly the first five books of the Old Testament such that you can assume that the audience are Jewish Christians, otherwise they wouldn't know that background, hence it's called the letter to the Hebrews. And as we zoom in on any bit of the letter, it's good to have a bit of 
background in our heads of at least two or three things. Firstly, it was a really difficult time to be a Christian. And that's clear in the language that comes out and the kind of persecution that's there. And that might be relevant to us in our scattered worlds, maybe not to the extreme of this letter, but aware that it might not be so popular to be a Christian when we admit it and we're public about it. Secondly, one of the emphasis all the way through, picking up different themes, is to elevate how superior Jesus is to anything else one can consider, anything else at play. And that's repeated in different ways throughout the letter. And then lastly, this appeal to remain faithful, to stay faithful to Jesus throughout, to stay on track. And there are a number of tools used to try and encourage the listeners to stay on track. And one of them is the idea to stay committed and to encourage. And, to, and by doing so, they use the, the mutual language of what we can do for each other. So a repeated phrase is the phrase one another. It's there in the readings, if we go back one, but encourage one another daily is there in Hebrews 3.13, and then, and then it's twice in Hebrews 10.24 and 25. Consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds and not giving up meeting together, but encouraging one another. And it's repeated elsewhere in Hebrews 2. It looks to a day when we won't need to say to one another, know the Lord, which kind of means that part of their practice is encouraging one another to say, know the Lord. And then right at the very end in Hebrews 13, as a kind of parting gesture, it says, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Now, hold that thought, and I want us to make the link with something that is key for us at LICC and this whole life discipleship thought. Now, some of you may have seen this diagram before, and if you have, then great. I'm going to introduce a couple of new thoughts, and if you haven't seen it before, then I'll explain it. There are 100 dots on the screen, and the screen, all of those dots represent the population of the UK. The red dots represent Christians in the UK. And it's defined here by those who would identify themselves as Christians and attend church in person or online, hi again to those online, at least once a month. And we can have this view of church, that we are um, together in the corner, gathered, and we have some influence of the great in towards the grey dots nearest us, and we encourage them to come and connect with us. But but for most of the time, the reality is outside of this building. For most of the time, the same number of red dots are out and about, making connections with so many more grey dots. The potential is so much greater, and that's where we are called to bring what we've learnt here into practice. That's our message, really, at LICC. But two things that we might not have emphasized before greatly is I've been following this message for a good while now, as your church has. I've been tracking with it in, in a church in Chichester too. And when we first started showing this drawing, it had seven dots. Then now it has six. And that's just a reflection of the fact that overall, the church in the UK is aging and declining. And we can't be okay with that. But we still have great influence. We still have massive connection. And it's that that is going to be key, I believe, for the church in the UK's 
future. The other thing that we don't so often emphasize, but I just want to be honest with you about today, is that it feels a little bit scarier when we're a red dot on our own than when we're gathered. It's easier to have gathered confidence than to have scattered confidence. So that's the theme for this morning. What can we do when we're together that helps us to have confidence when we're scattered? Part of the reason we lack confidence on our front lines, those places where we spend most time, especially with people who don't yet share our faith, is that we can feel alone there. Part of the answer for building confidence on our front lines is knowing that we are not alone there. We have the promise of Jesus, who said he'll be with us always, even to the very end of the age, all the days, he promised. We have his spirit with us. Our God is Lord of every place, wherever we will find ourselves this week. We sometimes are not quite as as isolated as that illustration. We look around and on our frontline places, we have other Christians too, They might not be exactly the same shade of red as us, but you've graciously allowed me from a Baptist tradition to come and speak to you today, and we need to widen our horizon sometime and look for other followers of of Jesus to connect with on our front line. And we have this in this verse today, in these readings in Hebrews, the command to encourage one another, to love and support one another in the same way that Jesus loves us. When we do so for one another, it feels less lonely. We help build confidence. My confidence grows if I know someone else is praying for my whole life discipleship relationship and challenges. My resolve grows if I ask for prayer for a bolder life with a tricky situation and I know a Christian friend is going to ask me about that next time we meet. If a Christian friend happens to send me a WhatsApp or a text or an email assuring me of their prayers and it appears to me on my front line then I'm reminded that I'm not alone. What this reading, the second reading says is that we are called to do this encouraging thing every day. That's not a complicated thing, but it is a big ask. Can you each day find ways to encourage one another? When we do that, we find that confidence grows. The word encourage in Greek here is made up of two words, para and kalio. Now, para is like parallel, So to encourage is to come alongside somebody else. You don't need to physically be with them to drop them a text, but emotionally you're coming alongside them. And kalio implies beckoning them or calling them to action. So to encourage someone is to come alongside them and to urge them to do the right thing for Jesus. And you and I are called to do that each day. There was a guy I knew, I'll call him Greg, who experienced just this. He worked for an environmental consultant firm within the aggregates industry and his thing was marine 
aggregate, so working out at sea. Big companies who'd want to dredge the seabed to get gravel for the construction industry, they always have to use one of these environmental consultants to check that the work that they're doing isn't too negative for the environment. So one particular firm was doing just this, and they employed Greg, and they made it really clear to Greg that he was to find that there was no negative impact on the environment on what they were doing. Except Greg is a committed Christian. And when he did his research, he found the opposite. He found that actually it was a really negative effect on the environment. Greg felt lonely there as one red dot on his own. He wasn't aware of any other red dots, but he experienced that confidence grew through community. So his wife shared his faith and he asked for his wife to pray. He was part of a home group, a small group. They prayed for him too. And he had the confidence to stand up for the real findings and say, actually, I can't write the report you want me to write. This does have a negative effect on the environment. Now, in one way, this isn't a good news story. And in another way, it is. Because just like the letter to the Hebrews, this wasn't particularly well received. And in the end, Greg lost his job. His home group went on praying for him. And he's now in a much better job. Do you see? But he had the confidence because other people had this role of daily encouragement and could drop a message and an email and, and say that they were praying for him in that kind of a way. The second reading, in a way, goes back to this bit and talks about the reasons that we gather. If we're all about, as an organisation, what we do outside of this building, you could get the impression that LICC isn't in favour of what we do inside this building or any other church. But the opposite is true. It becomes vital in terms of how we equip and support one another for when we're apart. We give each other the resources and the energy and the drive and, and the ideas for when we're apart. Maybe what we're doing here is like the half-time team talk in a sport of two halves. Pick your sport, football, rugby, hockey, maybe not rugby unless you're Scottish, but any of those sports. And the first half may have gone well, or it may have gone badly, but we're about giving resources, ideas, and tactics to get back out there in the game. And those of us who have the privilege of standing here, we are player managers in that analogy. We should be in the game too. So Hebrew says, don't lose the habit of meeting together. And that's really important right now when so much of the pandemic has tended towards us maybe losing the habit of meeting together. It's good to remind ourselves what this is about. When we gather, what are we trying to gather for? Well, we're meeting because there is this instruction in Hebrews to do so. P picture those dots again. Um, not everybody gets a copy of the letter. It's read to a whole church. So it's read when they are gathered, and it's read out loud, but it's to be lived out loud when they are scattered. Because it then says, do this daily. So they get some instruction, like a half-time team talk, and they're called to do it whenever they are 
apart. So we meet because there's an instruction to do so in Hebrews, but by the time you read that in Hebrews, already in the Bible, there's the assumption that you're going to meet together anyway, and there's the pattern that that's what happens in the Bible. We're meeting because there is special spiritual significance in being an interdependent group with one another like this. We're meeting because sometimes you add up all the different elements, the, the singing, loved the band today, really appreciated that, the prayers, the readings, the message, all the informal parts, the sharing of the peace, and everything. You add it all up and still it is more than the sum of the parts because God is in it. Sometimes we're meeting not just to say what's in it for me, but because my presence might be there for somebody else. Others might need me. Even just to hear your singing through the mask might be the thing that carries somebody else into their week. We're meeting, as this verse says, to encourage, in other words, give courage to one another, come alongside and spur them on. And we're meeting to recalibrate, to get back a godly perspective when so, other, so many other things don't give that. There was a home group and a, a small group, a study group in one church with an older lady called Iris, who was, uh, Isabel rather, who was trying to get her head around these kind of dots image and the whole life discipleship thing. She was an old lady and she said, I don't, I don't really think I have a front line. You, you know this front line term that I've mentioned it already, but just to make it clear, I'm not talking about the number one flea treatment for cats and dogs in the UK. I'm, I'm talking about the, the place in your world where you spend most time with people, particularly people who don't yet share a faith. So the rest of the home group wanted to encourage her, as it says here. So they asked her, well, tell us about your week. And she talked about the thing that she does on a Sunday, how she gives a meal, a Sunday roast, to one of her grandchildren. And they asked what happens, and she said, well, I explain the Sunday service to her. And we talk about it, and my granddaughter unpacks it, and they talked about the fact that her granddaughter isn't yet a person of faith. They asked how old this granddaughter was, and, and she was 22. And they realized that then that this is, this is one of her front lines. So they prayed for Isabel as a home group. They supported her in it. They commissioned her back to her family. Sometime later, they asked Isabel how it was going. She said, it's amazing. She's asking a whole other level of questions. I don't know what's going on, but I'm on a bit of a roll, she said. She was encouraged by her gathered space together for her scattered space. For today, that's all I want to leave you with, really. That if we feel a lack of confidence, we're not aiming for arrogant confidence, we're aiming for kind, humble confidence like Christ that one of the ways that we can get it, get more of it, is by daily looking for ways to encourage one another. Then we'll be recipients of it, as well as those who pass it on to others. This confidence theme is a new one for us at LICC, and I've brought you the second of six ideas. Sorry if the red isn't totally visible um, there for you. I'll, I'll, I'll read them to you. Um, confidence grows through being convinced. The more convinced we are of our faith, the greater our confidence is when we're scattered, through a supportive community, that's what I've been talking about this morning, through cultivating compassion, 
Compassion trumps lack of confidence. The more compassionate I am, the more I just must do the right thing anyway. Through some daily consistent patterns like prayer and reading God's word. Through developing competence, the more I feel able to deal with situations for Jesus, the more I will be confident. And through a resolved commitment. And we're working on like some daily readings to do with that. This isn't a full LICC product yet, but we're going to trial it with some people over Lent. If you'd like to be part of that experiment, then I'd love some people to just get a daily reading over Lent from the 2nd of March. Lent.confidence at licc.org.uk and feel free to join with us in that. And if social media is your thing or you'd like a daily email, a weekly email from LICC with a thought, you can get that from licc.org.uk forward slash sign up. There's lent.confidence again or a link to supporting us, forward slash donate. And if social media is your thing, then at licc.limited.ldt. For now, though, we consider our place this week, and we consider our challenge to look for ways on our phones, in person, on emails, in letters, in a postcard we could drop through to someone, to daily encourage them. Let's pray. And as we pray, Lord, we thank you for the encouragers. Thank you for the way they give courage and grow confidence in us. Remind us, Lord, to encourage daily. Lord, would you bring someone to our minds who we can encourage this week? A follower of you, who we can encourage on their front line and remind us to do that. Amen.